fundraisers. I'm Dawn Lego. It's time to buckle up for a new episode of Raise Nation Radio, the one and only podcast made to inspire fundraisers like you to continue making impacts in our communities, building better tomorrows and exchanging ideas. So whether you're a trailblazer or seasoned pro, you'll pick up the trends that transform your fundraising. And together, we'll dive into lively conversations and chat with industry-leading fundraisers and thought leaders to explore those hot-button issues and innovative ideas. So stay with us for the next 30 minutes while we inspire you to embrace the future of fundraising. All right, let's get going. We are really going to talk about the future of fundraising today with the LLS organization, especially since they um, have recently been awarded uh, the Innovative uh, Nonprofit of the Year by uh, the RAISE 2022 conference, which really speaks about the future of fundraising and innovation, but we're going to dive into all sorts of things. The mission, everyone kind of knows LLS, but do we really know LLS? And just a lot of good storytelling uh, behind the mission. So today with me, I'm so super welcomed, so super excited to welcome to the show. We have Troy Dunmeyer, the CEO of LLS, and Coker Powell, who's the Chief Development Officer. Big job, both big jobs um, at LLS. So uh, Troy, Coker, welcome to Raise Nation Radio. Thanks so much, Don. Thank you. Great to be so here. Oh, thank you. Um, I know our audience is going to want to get to know both of you better. Um, it's just a big mission, the LLS. Everybody knows it. Um, but you have big jobs to keep that mission moving forward. Why don't we let you get to know our audience a little bit better? Let them get to know you better. Would you mind? Maybe Coker, we'll start with you just giving the introduction. Tell us what you do and maybe a little bit about you personally as well. Sure. Thanks so much, Dawn. Uh, so Coker Powell and I have I spent the last 20 years almost in uh, in nonprofit and in fundraising specifically. Uh, as, as you mentioned, I'm the Chief Development Officer here at LLS, which uh, specifically means that I oversee our peer-to-peer campaigns, uh, our business development, our direct-to-consumer initiatives, uh, direct mail, and, and the like, uh, as well as our pharma and healthcare um, initiatives here at LLS. And so uh, that is, is what I do, my day job. I love working with a great team of folks around us to raise revenue for, to move the mission forward. Uh, and personally, I live in South Carolina with uh, with my husband and three year old and five year old. Oh wow! You're, so you're really busy. A three and five year old that keeps you <laughs> keeps you hopping. <laughs> oh, Joy, yes. Oh, yes. Joy, can we get to know you a little better too? Of course. Uh, so I have the privilege of serving as the chief operating officer, and the title is a little misleading at times uh, because it includes the traditional components of operations, IT, marketing, communications, things of that nature. But I also oversee all of our philanthropic efforts. So everything that Coker just mentioned, in addition to um, advancement, et cetera. So uh, anything that touches philanthropy um, or operations of the organization, I, I have the joy of, of, of doing on a daily basis. And um, I say joy because I spent 23 years in the for-profit world before joining LLS three years ago. And um, I love everything we do. And uh, I find complete joy in waking up to help humanity thrive beyond blood cancer. So uh, I just couldn't be more excited about what we do at LLS um, and the great people that we get to work with and the patients and the volunteers and all of that. Um, personally, I live in Tampa, Florida. Um, my wife and I have two, what I like to say, four-legged children. Um, Sheldon is our oldest cockapoo, he's seven, Penny is our youngest, golden doodle, 
she's four. Um, they're incredibly awesome. They keep us very, very busy. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's a little bit about us. I mean, there's certainly the, the, the light of our lives are the, are, are those two, uh, bird children. Well, you're both very, very busy and you, um, managed to keep, um, a great mission at, you know, at the, at the top of the charts. And I want to start there actually, cause I think that LLS, oh, you know, it's, it's, it's a name. It, it's, it's three letters that roll off your tongue and we think we know what, what your, what mission you serve, but you know, do we really, so can we break that down and just make sure that our audience really knows exactly what you're doing, who you're serving and, and what mission you're trying to advance? I, I think that's important. For sure. I, um, I'll start off and then Coker, feel free to add along the way. Um, you know, I think that overall the organization's sees a, a day or a place where the world is free of blood cancers. So when you say Leukemia Lymphoma Society, Leukemia Lymphoma are both two types of blood cancers, but there are over 160 different types of blood cancers. And our aspiration is to get to that day where there is just no blood, blood cancer doesn't exist in our world anymore. That's the goal. The way we get there um, is through curing those diseases, but also supporting the individuals that are diagnosed with those diseases um, and supporting their families as well. So um, we do that through research, a variety of patient services, ranging from education and information to clinical trial support, et cetera, uh, to financial aid and other assistance programs as well, um, to also advancing advocacy and, and um, you know, fighting for greater access to care, um, greater affordability of care, um, things of that nature. So, uh, you know, I, I said it when I started with my introduction, you know, I, I think that personally, every single person at LLS that works for the organization really does wake up every day with that idea of like, here's my purpose. My purpose is to, to, to help humanity thrive beyond blood cancer, that, that uh, an individual that we don't want people just to survive these diseases, uh, we want them to thrive. Um, because some of the treatments uh, are obviously very toxic and can have long-term uh, impacts for patients, um, but we don't want them to have that. We want them to have a fulfilled, thriving life um, where they are successful in whatever it is they choose to be successful in. Uh, so I would say that's a little bit more about sort of the vision, mission, and kind of our personal purpose, if you will. Coker, did you want to add anything to that? Yeah. Sure. You know, I mean, Tori did a great job talking about the organization. You know, to, to me, what I think makes LLS so special in the cancer space at large and really was one of the reasons that compelled me to, to come work here seven and a half years ago uh, is I learned about the organization. And, you know, it, it makes me think about a conversation that I had with our CEO, Dr. Lou uh, DeGenero when I was, you know, many years ago, uh, when I was looking to come here. And the way that he described to me the impact of our organization is he said, you know, Coker, the, the blood is so accessible. So a researcher can draw blood. They can look at something in the microscope, you know, underneath the microscope. They can test something. If that doesn't work, they can quickly go back to the patient, draw more blood. It's, you know, it's not invasive. You're not talking about going in and trying to get a hard tumor from somebody. And also, as a result of that, or, or additionally, in addition to that, one of the things that I think is really interesting is that the composition of the blood cancer does not change outside the body. Whereas with a hard tumor, the composition of the, of the tumor itself changes once it's outside the body. So what does that mean? That means that we have the ability to accelerate advancement 
much faster in the blood cancer space that then can can really serve as a learning ground for other cancers. And so when you look at all of the cancers and all of the treatments out there, the bulk of them originated in blood cancer. And so when you think about our place in the cancer landscape and why we are so important, it's because we we often serve as the pioneer in how in how uh, cancer is treated for and all so cancers. Laser focused, yes, yes, and you know, and and uh, often we learn lessons in blood cancer uh, that can oftentimes be applied to other cancers. And so we are uh, the thing that I think makes us so so important and so special is that we are laser cancer. We are laser focused. Excuse me. We are laser focused on blood cancer, but it has such an incredible effect across the board with with cancer care, uh, and and it's just an incredibly uh, remarkable organization that is leading the way uh, to, as Troy said, not only surviving but uh, but thriving beyond cancer. So your mission is a mission that's impacting other missions: skin cancer, colon cancer, breast cancer. Right? It, it all starts. In, in the blood. So all the work that you're doing is not just important to eradicate any type of blood cancer, but it could potentially move the dial in so many other areas is I think what I'm hearing you say, is that right, Coker? Potentially. Yes. I mean, we, um, you know, we, we know that we, by us being laser focused on what can happen in the, uh, in the blood cancer space, we have seen immunotherapy is a great example of this. So, you know, immunotherapy really was something that that originated in, in blood cancer and now is going on to have uh, an impact in a variety of cancers, you know, that, that um, many different areas are using the therapies that originated in blood cancer to, um, to, uh, to, to help all, many, many cancers. And so yeah. I just, I think of our organization as being, uh, almost an, an incubator for cures, uh, you know, across across the space. Wow, there's a really wow, cool ripple huge. effect. Yeah, there's a absolutely. Yeah. I describe it as a ripple effect. I think that like when Coker's talking about immunotherapy, there's a therapy called CAR T cell therapy, and again, kind of pioneered within the blood cancer space. But now that same type of therapy is being um, tested and tried on physical tumors. Um, and so I think that that's what's, again, really special and unique about working with individuals with blood cancer is that there is potential impact, positive impact um, out there for, for other cancer patients um, with physical tumors. I, I didn't know. So I really thank you for that perspective, you know, that that just working within the the scope of blood cancer can really have that ripple effect. And that's really powerful and um, encouraging. So thank you for what you do and the entire team in your organization every day, because we're, looks like we can do so much within the world of blood cancer, within the world of cancer, but, you know, just because of what you're doing. So I think I understand a little bit of the differential behind the mission, but what's the differential do you believe with LLS from other philanthropic organizations, especially in the minds of the people that you speak to, your constituencies, your donors, your supporters? What, what, how does, how does LLS differentiate your organization? Yeah, I think um, when no different than what we just spoke about in terms of the the science, you know, the, the, the science really does start with the patient and the individual. So I, I think above and beyond all else, and, and again, I would imagine this is very similar for other organizations, but um, I think what's really unique about LLS is many times 
the patients we work with um, get very involved in the solution. And what I mean by that is, you know, when you take a look at the global pandemic, we engaged um, through our patient registry, um, we engaged existing patients, whether they were current or survivors, we engaged them as citizen scientists. So we learned about the impact of the COVID vaccine on patients um, that were treated for a range of blood cancers. Um, and so I think that that's, you know, those individuals are opting in for that experience. And so I think that that's really unique for our organization is to have um, patients who we are serving also actually acting on their behalf. It's almost like they're self-advocating in addition to having us as advocates for them. Um, and so I think that that also is kind of a model that we really operate under as an organization, which is we're, we're just, we're conveners. Um, so we would never ever take credit as the, the sole reason why a solution, a treatment, et cetera, arrives at its final destination. Um, because there are so many people that we convene in the process. So we work across so many different organizations um, with so many different researchers at academic institutions, um, people within the pharma space that we work with. We just we are really great at convening. It's quite remarkable, actually. I, I think um, coming from the for-profit world, it's a very highly competitive world um, where you're trying to take down your competition. Um, and in this space, there's such great collaboration and partnership. Um, and again, it's all centered on who doesn't want to see someone thrive in a healthy way in this world, right? I mean, why wouldn't we want that? Um, so we're just really fortunate that we get to convene really brilliant people, um, ranging from the patients themselves to researchers, uh, to volunteers, to philanthropists, and, and together that collective power is what really I think makes us very unique. It's the source of our creativity. Um, so I would, would never say that we're the authors of our own creativity within fundraising or within philanthropy. Many times those are ideas that are surfaced from volunteers or philanthropists or fundraisers. And so um, I think that, that's what's really unique and neat about us is that we're open to greatness comes from all different sources. Um, and we're, we, we certainly are humble enough to know that we're not the only source. Wow. I, I don't even know what yeah. to say. That's me. Go, go ahead, Coger. I'm sorry. You wanted to add to that? Uh, well, no, I was just gonna, I was just gonna, um, you know, add to as Troy said that ability for us to convene and create collaborative partnerships. That that really is why uh, one of the primary reasons why we were just recognized by Fast Company as innovators in a 2022 brand that matters. And we were uh, so thrilled <clears throat> to be the only cancer organization that made the list uh, for Backfast Company for the very reasons that Troy talks about. Yeah, tell us a little bit more about the brand that matters. That was 2022. And you were, you, you're with for-profit companies there. That's not exclusive to the nonprofit community. And you were you were recognized as a brand that matters. Can you dive a little deeper into what that meant and what that recognition means to the organization? I think it is um, super cool. Um, the reason I think it's <laughs> super, super cool, cool, very good. Yes, I know, I know. I, you, you're getting the really, really, um, the, the intellectual descriptors I, I'm, I'm giving you are just incredible. Um, but it is super cool. And the reason I think say it's super cool is because you said it's such a mix of organizations across industries. And I think one of the things that, that we are so passionate about is, you know, there are often these stereotypes that come with being labeled as a nonprofit organization. 
I think it helps us break out some, out of some of those stereotypes. Um, so, for example, that sometimes that um, the organizations are slower than the for-profit space, or they don't bring to market or innovate as fast as the for-profit space. And so, I think what's really neat is that we're demonstrating. And, and again, I think it was our our team's nimbleness through the pandemic to show that we could really bust a lot of the norms of, of the way in which we worked and operated as organization. It really helped us reframe and reshape. Like we don't really talk about working at LLS is not like going to work. It's not a workplace. It's actually what we call a growth place because a growth place is the intersection of life work and learning. And those things are no longer separate, right? We don't go someplace physical now to learn. We don't go someplace physical to work. And, and certainly our life at any minute right now, my dogs could start barking. So life is happening while I'm working, while I'm learning. And so we've embraced that concept. Um, and so I think that's embedded in that brand that matters is we've created this really cool growth place that allows people internally employees and our volunteers to thrive with their personal strengths, learn, grow, advance. We're big on growth mindset. We love learning. Um, you know, failure doesn't really exist. It's just a learning opportunity. Um, so all those things are embedded in that recognition. And so that's why I think it's just super cool. It's really neat to be recognized um, by, by a publication, um, an organization that does foster and think about creativity and innovation um, and how we work and live. And so to be in that company is just really, really neat. Um, and again, it's just a really huge credit to um, our team. And the culture of your team, the mindset, you know, yes. I'm hearing the humbleness. Is that a word, humbleness? But I'm hearing, that's, that's what I'm hearing. And um, it's remarkable. You deserve to be there. And, uh, you know, you're, you're busting myths uh, about nonprofits and trailblazing. One in one way you mentioned was innovation and um, the Rays 2022 brand recognized you as innovative nonprofit of the year. I believe that during the pandemic time, you you created two um, virtual fundraising campaigns, some, something new, and that they surpassed all targets, reached new or, um, audiences. So tell us a little bit more about the submission for the, the award and, and what it meant to you to actually be recognized as the innovative nonprofit of the year, again, in the spirit of busting those myths about nonprofits not being innovative. Well, thank you, Dawn. And I and I want to start by saying, you know, thank you so much uh, to to Raise Nation for for giving us that award. It meant so much uh, to our staff, to our teams, to our volunteers to be recognized uh, in in that way for their hard work and their effort. And you know, it, I think in many ways it is uh, what what Troy talked about in, in terms of our ability to move quickly. Uh, and and to ad to adopt a mindset of we have to figure out the solution. You know, we uh, commit and then figure out how we're going to make it happen. And that commitment that our team made to blood cancer patients at the beginning of the year prior to the pandemic was that we were going to achieve certain revenue targets so that we could fund the mission. And when uh, a, a giant <laughs> hurdle like the like the pandemic hit. The team was rallying together to say, how are we still going to achieve the mission? It wasn't, oh, well, we're no longer going to achieve the revenue targets. It was, how are we going to get there in a different way, in a different capacity? And I think, you know, one of the, um, one of the areas that you mentioned, Dawn, was around our, uh, our, 
our legacy team and training campaign. And, you know, for those listeners who are familiar with, with our team and training campaign, this is uh, uh, really when you, you know, when you talk about innovation, many, many years ago, we were seen as an organization who was innovating because we developed the bid for charity model uh, the, where, you know, fundraisers would run, uh, whether it be the New York City Marathon, the Chicago Marathon, go down the list and raise funds for uh, for us, for LLS. And that was a, a has been a, a really a giant pillar of what built the peer-to-peer fundraising uh, revenue stream for LLS as, as well as others in the industry. And, you know, one of the challenges with that model that we faced in a giant way, you know, the door slammed shut in our face in many ways was because all of these marathons were being canceled uh, because of COVID, because of the pandemic. And so we had these revenue goals that were associated with events that we did not have control of. So LLS does not control whether or not the New York City Marathon continues in the state of a pandemic. And it forced us to completely relook at our business model for team and training to say, do we just throw our hands up and say, oh, well, we're not going to be able to hit our targets. We, our, our patients were too important to us for that. And so instead, the team very, very quickly said, what if could we develop our own event uh, for team and training in a virtual space. And so we launched a program called uh, the Resilience Challenge. As many of our uh, people were feeling you know, locked in their homes and not able to, to leave to participate in a marathon. And we knew that the, the word resilience was, uh, you know, was something that resonated with, with people, not only our patients and volunteers, but just the, the, the nation and the world was uh, you know, needing to feel that resilience in this time of, uh, of, of COVID-19. So we launched our very first ever uh, completely owned by LLS team and training event in, in a virtual capacity. And what we found on was, in, it was incredible. We raised in a very short amount of time in just a few weeks, uh, you know, less than six weeks from the, from the ideation of the event until when we concluded the event. Wow. Uh, we raised over uh, over a million dollars and had uh, uh, tens of thousands of brand new people engaged with us, uh, as well as our legacy participants who now are joining us in a brand new way. And the other thing that we realized that I think is especially important and as we talk about fundraisers and uh, the, you know, the, uh, being as responsible as we can to the mission is that in, in doing this resilience challenge, we had almost uh, no cost associated with it because it was a completely virtual challenge. And we did it so quickly uh, that the way that we activated our existing networks, uh, it was, it, I think our margins were like 97%. It was something huge. incredible when you think about huge, 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 huge. And so that really was the first uh, of its kind. It was, the, again, the first and 30 plus years of doing team and training where we owned our own event. And, uh, it, and what it did is it opened our eyes to a whole new possibility for how we engage with this athletic audience. And uh, I think you'll see a lot more to come with, you know, with that. I was just going to ask, yeah, is it going to stick around? Yeah. I was going to ask you that. 
That's interesting. I mean, that is a silver lining, I think, for the pandemic is we couldn't control what was happening to us, but we could control how we respond to it. And and raising the white flag is not an option. And so Mm -hmm. you tried something new and congratulations. Great success. But now we've learned that maybe we can do more of that, which is super exciting. I think that's where you were going, right? Yes, that's exactly right. You know, it, I think it, uh, it the, the pandemic, and while challenging, as you said, it, it also did present, as you said, many silver linings, many great learning opportunities for us. And we, uh, we've learned a lot. And, you know, we would be uh, remiss to not take those key learning lessons, things like, how do we, uh, when you think about the historic team and trading. How do we own more of our events? How do we cut the margin? How uh, how do we look at all parts of fundraising? And this was something that we did not only with team and training, but across all of our peer-to-peer campaigns. As we said, and you know, how do we strip as much cost as we can out of the business, so that the things that we are uh, spending money on are the most critical things to raise the most money possible to provide a great experience, of course, for our participants. But we challenged ourselves. We asked questions every single step along the way. The team was great at saying, is this a must-to-have? Is this a nice-to-have? And if it was a nice-to-have but not a must-to-have, we had to really think about you know, what, what, the, what was in the best interest of the patient uh, and also what was in the best interest of, of, of our, you know, of our organization in terms of what our priorities are, what our values are from a sustainability standpoint, just across the board, how can we strip the cost out of the business in a way that allows us to fund, uh, to fund treatments faster? And uh, that, that will forever change the way that we look at, uh, look at, at fundraising. And in particular, I think, uh, you know, peer-to-peer fundraising. Does it mean that we're never going to go back in person? Of course not. I think that we have found, um, and many in the industry would tell you, that people are craving that human connection. Uh, but will we just go back to the way things were in 2018? I don't think so. Uh, I think that we have come to a place where we have learned really important and valuable lessons through the pandemic uh, that will that will change and that we will now have a hybrid situation of this. Uh, virtual fundraising, in-person fundraising, but being very, very diligent about the costs that we uh, put into the business so that we can fund the mission in the most efficient way possible. You're being, I mean, you're being wonderful stewards of of the mission and being fair to your supporters and your constituency base. I, I have been in fundraising for almost a decade and a half. I have, I'll be celebrating my 13th anniversary at one cause. I cert, and that's where I opened with the, with this, con, with this conversation. Thank you. I, I opened with three little letters, LLS, everyone knows them, right? But do we really, I'm learning, I've known the LLS organization for quite a while now, but do we really know? And you're pulling me in, you know, I'll be candid with you, just, you know, how humble the organization is willing to try everything, working together, whether it's volunteer or C-suite, it's just really remarkable. So kudos to you for the culture and and all of the awards and recognitions that you're receiving are very well-deserving from Ray's, from, you know, brands that matter. Um, I'm getting excited just uh, talking to both of you because it's just, it seems like it's a very exceptional 
culture that um, you deserve to be proud of. So congratulations um, on that. I'd love to ask you though, what do you want people to know? Like, what is What are you most proud of? I, I think we heard a little bit of that or what is the greatest misconception out there that you just would like to clear up as you've drawn people in today and now they're listening. So here's the chance to do that. I mean, I think it's, it's really no different than what's really kind of been articulated already is, you know, I want people to know that um, we're an organization that can be um, trusted and counted on and that we 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 hold that, you know, we have an, uh, a, a giving promise that we hold ourselves to um, because we know that, that that giving takes a lot. Um, and it requires community and um, it is good, um, but it requires trust and honesty and integrity. And so we we really do hold ourselves to this, this giving promise standard. Um, and um, our results, I think, speak for some of that in terms of therapies that we've advanced over the years, treatment services that we provide um, or, or service that we provide for patients, um, roles we've played along with other organizations in advancing legislation to improve cost of care or access to care. So I, I think, um, you know, to me, uh, modern day philanthropy is about finding organizations, doing your diligence, doing your research as a philanthropist or as a donor, doing your diligence and research finding good organizations and letting them go do their good work. And so I think that's what I want people to know is that we're a trusted organization, whether it be through four stars rating through charity navigator, superior through cause reports or whatever the case may be. Um, beyond those ratings, I think the proof is in the results in terms of therapies advanced, um, legislation advanced, and patients that 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 really appreciate whether it be from the, the but, but some might think is so small but from gas money to get to a treatment right um to supporting someone who has lost a loved one um i think all of those things um, are things that we do so that we can be counted on for this community that we serve these blood cancer patients and their families that we serve um and so that's what i would want people to know is that we we keep the patient at the center of everything that we do our giving promise is something we hold ourselves accountable to um, and, and it is really important for us um, to do so. Lovely. I wanted to just pause there, that moment of quiet to just take that all in, that, that giving promise. I love that. Coco, were you going to say something? I'm sorry. Oh, I, I was just going to add to, you know, there, there are so many things that I, you know, that I'm so proud of when you think about LLS and, and the impact of our organization and the things that we are doing. And, you know, there are there are two other pieces that I would love for your listeners to know about us. Uh, one is we have a program called uh, the, the um, Clinical Trial Support Center. So we are able to connect people to clinical trials. And, you know, I, I, I'll tell you a brief story. So I, I had just joined the, just joined the organization, had been here maybe three months. And my mom was telling me about a close friend of hers, his brother, had had uh, a, a blood cancer diagnosis, and uh, his doctors were telling him there's nothing else that can be done. You know, we we are at the end of the rope. There's nothing else. And I said, Mom, I've just been working here a few months. Uh, you know, I know enough to be dangerous, but here is this number. Please tell uh, your friend and you know his her brother to call our information resource center. And they they may have to say the same thing, but they may have something else that they could share. 
they called our information resource center who uh, took in, this is a, a, an incredible, incredible program. And I do think it's been a different, a differentiator for us as an organization. Uh, it is master's level nurses, uh, oncology nurses who are able to match people with clinical trials that may, uh, that they may qualify for. And uh, long story short of that is they were able to find a clinical trial uh, for my um, my mom, friend's brother, and uh, he was able to go to Florida, participate in this clinical trial that was taking place, and he lived an additional seven years. And oh, my time, God. I have was, chills. It was incredible. And they had given him, you know, two weeks to live, and yet because LLS was able to find a clinical trial and match them, you know, Seven more years, he was able to see one daughter graduate from college. He was able to see another daughter get married, walk her down the aisle. Those those are moments that that LLS and that uh, that that program gave this family. And uh, you, you know, it's it's wow. Just, it's just a remarkable um, program that we have. And like Troy said, we are we are right there at the at, and it was a phone call away. The way it was one it was phone, phone call, call away. away. Yeah. One That's phone right. call changed exactly right. two weeks to seven years. That's Remarkable. Right. That's right. And I, I, I just and, have to throw uh, in, real, real, sorry, Coco, really quick. I just got to throw this yeah. in. So since we, I mean, Don, you said it perfectly, one phone call. So that's 1-800-955-4572. Um, so any of your listeners that, that know. Wait, you have to repeat like, that because I was going to, I was going to ask. I yeah. Will. One more time yeah. on the phone number. <laughs> 1-800-955-4572. Four five seven two, and Great. people can find that on LLS.org as well. Um, but I think that any of your listeners that that have a friend or family member or is remotely connected to someone that might have received a diagnosis. Um, contacting the, the information resource center is a great uh, tool for anyone to help navigate um, that initial diagnosis and, and, and find out what wow. support services might be available. So sorry, so- Coker, I just wanted to throw that in. <laughs> yeah. And that's an yep, important absolutely. one. Thank you. I wanted to cover that though, too, because I'm going to ask and answer a question. Getting involved, making a donation, getting more information. It's all at LLS.org. Very simple, right? LLS.org. It's all there. Anything we would need, right? If we're a patient, if we're interested in clinical trials, volunteer, get involved, fundraise, donate, all at LLS.org. Yeah, there we go. All there. All there. Super simple, super simple. Um, so we, I think we have time for another question. We, we've been talking about the past and, and all the remarkable things that you've done, some great stories. Thank you so much for sharing. But what about the future? What are some of the, um, at, you know, we're at the end of the year, right? A fun time for fundraisers, um, a hard time actually for fundraisers, but we're approaching a new year, 2023. What are some, um, you know, the key priorities you're looking at, you know, as you move into the new year? And I believe you might be having some leadership change and all of that. What 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 can we talk about there that would um, be important to people listening? Sure, I think um, so. You alluded to it. We have leadership change. So, um, Dr. Liu, who is um, our amazing CEO and and leader, um, has been with the organization for you know north of a decade. I want to say four. I, I'm, I'm going to be. I'm so bad because I can't remember the exact number of years he's been with the organization, but it's been forever. Forever. Um, and forever. It's good enough. <laughs> and he served as the you know he he started out within the the research world and served as the chief scientific officer and eventually became our CEO. Um, 
um, and and he leaves an incredible legacy. And, and what's really cool is I think the hallmark of any great leader is whether or not the organization can see can succeed and move forward without their presence because they created the capability and capacity within all of those within the organization. And I can attest to the fact that that's the case. I, I have no doubt that as a new CEO is named, um, that one will embrace the individual, and then two. Um, we will continue moving forward. And um, I think we've got a, a, a number of plans in place um, to continue to uh, move this organization forward from, there's eight critical areas of our mission that we're focused on. Um, really one of the largest initiatives there is our Care to Dream uh, pediatric initiative. Um, so, so we have that going on and that will continue to go on. And then really we've been working on mirroring up the work that we do. And, and you mentioned it earlier, but I want to highlight it, which is we don't operate individually within the organization. We are extremely collaborative. And when we haven't always, that's been a really fun journey for us um, because we haven't always operated that way. Peer-to-peer -peer wanted to operate in its own world. Advancement wanted to operate in its own world. <laughs> Business development in its own world. And, and as I talk to peers across the industry, that's fairly common um, that, that it's not, you know, it's seen as my donor, my philanthropist, not our donor, our philanthropist. And, and at LLS, we have this thing called One LLS. We're one team in service to the patient patient. We're one team in service to the philanthropist. We're one team in service to the volunteer. And so we've done such great work to build this collaborative space now where it is about regardless of where you work in this organization, whatever your title is or what your role is or your specialty, at all times, you are an advocate of the mission and you are advocate of the philanthropy that we do. We all can inspire someone to give generously to make an impact in the life of a blood cancer patient. So we we just, that is gonna continue to grow. And what's really neat is that we're gonna start integrating really good technology to support the journey that both our patients go on with us, as well as our volunteers and our philanthropists. So we'll see um, full integration of our, of our new CRM. We'll see some new tools and resources in terms of our um, constituent facing peer-to-peer -peer fundraising. Uh, things of that nature. So I, I'm really excited. I think we're, we're, we're finally making great strides to advance ourselves technologically, um, and that'll be met with a great culture internally. And I think that in the end, that means that we'll serve more patients, more philanthropists, more volunteers in a really, really productive way. Well, I don't know how you're going to top uh, all of um, your achievements in 2022, but there's no doubt you you set the gold standard. You're the role model. I'm listening to you. You've touched on. I get. I have the pleasure at my job here at One Cause to speak with thought leaders um, on a daily basis, and everything that they're saying, I feel like LLS is trying to achieve one way or the other, or has achieved. And you've certainly built that trust with me here today and hopefully our entire audience um, that's listening. And I feel um, I feel so badly that we've run out of time because I want to talk about that Dare to Dream project and um, everything that that's doing. But I think I'm going to just have to invite you back for another show so we can dive deeper into some of your impact and some of your programs and keep tabs on, on, on how you're doing. So if I, could I get you back um, perhaps in a new episode in um, our new season, I, I hope you'll join us again. Cause I, I, I sure. it's infectious. We want to learn more about LLS and everything that you're doing. I know that that project is pretty special. So hopefully it we is. can have you back. We love it, Don. Thank you. That's great. Absolutely. Well, if you're, Fearless fundraisers, unfortunately, uh, we're, we're 
That's about all the time we have for today. I know there's more we want to learn, but we'll do a part two. That's the beauty of this. We could we can keep we can keep chatting. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's Raise Nation topic and your daily dose of fundraising inspiration. Please tune in for a new episode release every Thursday at 12:30 p.m. Eastern Time. That's Thursday, 12:30 p.m. Eastern Time. And in the meantime, listen to all the episodes on Raise Nation Radio. I think there's about 67 of them now. You can follow the channel that you like best to get notifications about our new guests. Fundraisers, as you just heard, are doing amazing things to build better tomorrows for our communities and hopefully eradicate blood cancer. The stories are awe-inspiring. I mean, one phone call turns two weeks life expectancy into seven more years. You don't want to miss a single episode. I would like to thank our sponsor, One Cause, for making this episode possible. One Cause is driving the future of fundraising with easy-to-use software solutions that help nonprofits connect with their donors. Check it out at onecause.com. Visit the resource tab on the homepage for a broad catalog of podcasts, webinars, blogs, infographics. Hopefully you'll find them helpful. A huge shout out and thanks to my guests, uh, Troy Dunmire and Koki Powell of Coker Powell, excuse me, from LLS. Thank you so much for being with us today. Any last words from inspiration? We're going to go with both of you. Coker, let's start with you. Any last words of inspiration? Uh, sure. You know, I think to keep the mission at front and center of all that you do and to, to lead with the patient and, you know, whoever, whatever your cause is, whatever it is that you are uh, focused on to make our world and communities better, let that drive you forward. Uh, I think that that has certainly been a recipe for success for us. How about you, Troy? Yeah, I would uh, so totally agree with that. And I would add that if you are working for an organization, no matter who you are in the organization, challenge the status quo within your organization, be creative, be fearless, um, adopt that growth mindset um, and learn and grow along the way. And then the real challenge is if you are a senior leader of an organization, create the conditions where your people feel comfortable challenging the status quo, um, because that is really what has, when I think about what's really driven our success, it is that we have created a culture where our people feel comfortable challenging the status quo, and that's where innovation really starts to thrive. Um, so growth, growth mindset all the way uh, and innovation, but it's all coming from creating the conditions where your people can challenge the status quo or the norm. Well, I've so enjoyed this episode and talking to you both. Great advice. Fearless fundraisers, that is a wrap. Until next time, I'm Dawn Lego. This is Raise Nation Radio, and you heard it from Troy. Stay fearless out there. <laughs>